0: Where is InsureTech headed next? This is where indie agents own the answer. Welcome to the VertiFOR Insurance Podcast. Let's go. Guys, welcome back to another episode of the VertiFOR Insurance Podcast. You know, one of the reasons that we started this this channel on uh, channel orange is because we wanted to bring to the surface all of the cool things that are happening inside vertifor obviously we want to talk about where insuretech is headed next and how vertifor is leading that conversation but part of it is meeting the people inside the company and getting to know them getting to um, understand their experience their background their history and how they're going to to really push InsureTech forward. So with that, one of the people that honestly is um, one of my favorite team members here at Vertifor, um, just an amazing person and someone I'm really excited for you guys to meet is the one and only Dana Pascali. What's up, Dana?
1: hey Sid wow what an intro man thanks a lot
0: uh, it's, listen only the Feelings best mutual. Best for the best um, okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, a very quick intro but then I'm gonna pass it off to you because you know your background better than I do and you're gonna do it much more uh, you're gonna do it more justice so um, guys Dana runs uh, really all things midsize market which means she has Probably the most uh, products of any of our VPs here at Vertifor, um, and uh, she really runs the strategy. Right, she's got a number of uh, you know product owners, directors of product who work underneath her, but at a high level, she's directing the vision for how these products come together. Um, you know how each one of them is being maximized in their own way, and and really keeps a pulse on the market. So. Uh, you know, in terms of her background, she has worked at startups. she has worked at businesses as big as uh, GE, and she's got some awesome stories to tell as far as navigating all kinds of corporate politics. Um, but she has just a wealth of experience in terms of product development, and one of the things we'll touch on today is actually her philosophy around how to build the best product. So. With that, I'm gonna pass it off to you. Give us a little bit about your story. Like, how did you get into pre vertifor How did you come into the insurance industry?
1: Well, I did the math this morning when you were like, you know, kind of let's talk about how many years have I been doing this? I've been doing this for 26 years. Dang. Right. So that kind of blows me away. But I'm a chemical engineer by degree, so super dorky. Love problem solving. Right. Like that's kind of my jam. And. I started out in the chemical industry because I was a chemical engineer and I started out in technical sales. But what was cool about it is I actually used to go into oil refineries and natural gas plants in a fire retardant suit and a hard hat with like my name on it and help the engineers and the operators optimize their units or their processes, which was really just the beginning of what I love to do right so I started out doing that and helping them and then you know after about 5 years in technical sales I moved into product management and I've kind of been in all aspects of product management ever since so you know different industries I've been in cybersecurity I've been in personal care I've been in emergency medical services all sorts of stuff Um, but it has been quite a journey because there's product management, there's product owners, there's product marketing. So I've kind of had all different types of flavors, but it's understanding the business. And to me, it's been 26 years of solving problems, right? In different industries, that's really kind of what we do. And I love being in Vertifor. I came here about two and a half years ago, love this industry. It's such a breath of fresh air for me. Um, and so now I, as you mentioned, I'm one of our VPs of product management here at Vertifor. I have lots of products in the portfolio, um, but ultimately our job is to work together with the other products in our portfolio and other technologies out there to really, you know, make the world a better place and make things easier Mm. for this industry. So,
0: so it, it feels like, and I know this might be stepping back a bit, but going from that role as a technical sales lead into product was kind of your rebirth, so to speak, like you, it seems like you found your purpose, you found your passion, what, what, I mean, just thinking back to that moment, because that's a big jump, right? I mean, if I think about today, uh, you know, the sales, the sales leads that I know, or just really successful salespeople, they're making good money, they're, they've got a future ahead of them. Um, you know, typically they're just really good uh, with people and and sales, and to switch from that role and that skill set into something like, hey, now I'm going to go build product. And sure, <laughs> talk to people. It's not like you're not talking to people, but it, it's yeah. it's a bit, that's very different. How did how did that happen? Yeah,
1: it is and it isn't, Sid. So it is in the sense that, you know, you go from being out in the field all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, talking to people, but the skills that you learn when you're selling something, particularly when you're, I was in technical sales, so it was all about getting data, right? Like getting information from the customers and then being able to help them solve their particular problems, Mm -hmm. right? That's exactly then what I was able to do when I kind of came into product management, but at a much larger scale. Mm -hmm. Right now, product management's job is to listen to the market, not just a customer, right? But listen to the whole market, understand their problems, i.e. get that data, and you only do that really by being a really good listener. By the way, really good salespeople are really good listeners, right? Mm -hmm. They're really good at listening um, for and in our case, we're always listening for problems, right? What is the problem? What's the pain point? What's re- the friction that you're feeling in your particular workflow process day to day? And so coming into product management and starting to do that was really just my opportunity to do it at a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love. Mm-hmm. So really it's, it's more of a, it was an evolution for me to now be able to kind of build amazing products and software solutions um, for a market instead of just looking at it for a particular customer
0: yeah So, that's yeah. interesting and that, that makes total sense you're so you're so uh, sometimes as a salesperson you could probably feel f- too far away from fixing the problem you're selling right. you're selling things right but you right. don't get and you see what the challenges are and where the opportunities are but you know other than giving feedback you almost don't have the ability to to make uh, direct change. And so you, you stepped into that, you like dove right in and said, okay, I'm going to make, make change that. And I think I used the word change maker. When I first met you, I was like, man, she's a change maker. Uh, when yeah, were, I'm a big her? fan. Yeah. I'm one of those oddballs. Yes. I do like it. Yes. yes. Cool. Okay. So, um, you know, you've got all this experience that you've built up over decades. Why? For terrible I when you say that. <laughs> it's True. the truth. Well, I mean, I I mean, look, my listen. My mom always used to say, "I can't wait to get older because then I'll be wiser and people will listen to me." So it's if if I say it, it's a compliment. Um, just just a, just <laughs> FYI. But here's the thing, like, you've got all this this experience, right? So you know, I look at that and say, "She could go anywhere." I mean, she she could really have any position, you know, any job. And you chose to come into the insurance industry after working in, you know, pretty innovative industries like cybersecurity, which is huge right now. Um, you know, you were I know that there was some uh artificial intelligence work that you did. Like, why why insurance? Just out of curiosity. I mean there's you know <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, go ahead.
1: No. So, I mean, there were two drivers, I think in my career, what I've learned along the way is that it's really important who you work for and who you work with. And
0: mm-hmm. the
1: leadership team is super important to me. Mm-hmm. Right. So I had had the joy and opportunity to work with Amy Zupan before in the past. So getting an opportunity to come back, I know the team that she puts around her. Um, and you know, I'm working closely with folks like James Tom. It's, a fantastic opportunity. And it was a big draw for me. I think the other thing that was a, a big draw was right. I joined about two and a half years ago. So it was right after we became part of the Roper technologies. And I think, again, it goes back to my change, liking to drive change. What's great is with Roper, right, we're kind of in a great place to just really focus on our strategy and make that change across the portfolio. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome that I get to be a part of that, right? Driving that and executing that and um, helping make our technology, the right technology, work better together for the independent agent and the captive agent space. So.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, so speaking of the opportunity, let's lay the foundation here. Um, y- you must have some sort of philosophy uh, around product development. And it, and it may not be like you've written, you know, like the, Dana's road book to product development. You've kind of got chapters in your head and whatnot. But I think, I mean, I look at my own career and I know I have certain ways I do marketing, right? I believe in certain things. Like I believe in content, really quality content. Um, You know, I believe in hiring people who uh, understand the vertical that we're in and really care about. Uh, serving the clients that we have. Like there's just certain things that make, you know, when I look at the the work that's produced, it comes from this sort of, you know, uh, philosophy that I have or just style that I have, right? And I've gotten to watch you navigate over the last year or so. So, you know, not that long, but at least over the last year, I've gotten to watch you navigate. And I've always had a deep respect for how you, um you have a vision and and you have this idealism and hope for you know a better world to come and 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 a better portfolio and and tech stack but you're very realistic and you really want to back things up with data and that you straddle both of those worlds with maybe a little bit of a lean into that realism and i just wonder like i mean that obviously that's part of your you know sort of philosophy around product development like where does that come from and and how would you describe how you lead you know your teams
1: yeah Yeah. um well first of all it is just that it is a team sport so product management along with product development and really the entire organization has to become part of your team right Mm -hmm. because we have to work across the organization to get all this stuff kind of Really executed and complete. So, I think the philosophy for me is we don't make decisions on what we're going to build because, right, that's what product management's job is. What are we building? But really, what problems are we solving? Right? What problems are we solving and why? Why are they the most important things for us to solve? So, that's our job. What are we solving? Why? Why are we solving them? Why is this important? And then we work. Really closely with our development counterparts, the software development engineers, the QA folks, right, the design folks, to really help us figure out how they're going to accomplish that. And I call it the secret decoder ring, right? By the way, I'm like an oversimplifier of all things, right? Like, so you're taking these problems and then you're creating that into these features and these stories and pieces. And then the development team, are the folks that are actually figuring out how to go accomplish that so it's an amazing partnership and it has to be a really tight partnership in order to get that done but it has to be rooted in fact it can't be if i hear anyone on my team say i think if we build this people are going to love it right they're going to love. my question will be like why will they love it what problem does it solve right Because I've lived in that world. I have built products where I thought this was going to be amazing, and it wasn't, Mm -hmm. right? So I think the realism comes from 26 years of, like, wins and failures, right? So you learn more from your failures, and I think that's what makes it realistic. So for me, you know, I, I think we can accomplish anything. I think that's where I truly believe, you know, we can do anything. Right? If we want to go somewhere, if we have a vision of where our product's going to be or our solution going to be, we can get there. It's just a matter of time and resources. The realism comes from 26 years of knowing what kind of works and what doesn't work and how best to, to focus on where you want to be, right? So I, I, I'll say things and make analogies, and this is probably for James Tom, because he's Canadian, you know, skate to where the puck is going to be, right? You know, so you have to know where you're going and then you can kind of create that path along the way. So that's my philosophy. I think um, the one thing that I've really learned, Sid, is that I, I thought earlier in my career that I had to separate who Dana was at home versus who Dana was at work. And I'm using my name in third person, which I hate, but I don't know how else to explain that. But uh, I realized at some point, probably, I don't know, 10 or so years ago, that i'm the same person so mm-hmm. i grew up in an italian family like they were hot headed you know both sides and i realized not having a sense of humor helped me dissipate some of that mm-hmm. in my family and it helped me kind of me to be blunt, kind of get things right kids are masters at manipulation um, right. So if I wanted to go to somewhere, and they didn't want me to go, if I could make them laugh, mm-hmm. then you know that was just a great way that I started to get a sense of humor about things and mm-hmm. not take things so seriously. But I used to think you had to be really serious at work as a female. In this industry i was you know an engineer i'm in the oil and gas industry with my hard hat on and all of that stuff these energy i thought i had to be really serious and i had to be separate those two things and i think about 10 years ago i realized i can just be who i am right so my philosophy on how i lead teams is i'm pretty open i'm very transparent i use a lot of humor in how you know i do that because in reality you want to work with people the people that we work with all day you want to enjoy that Right. That's what our customers. And that's what this industry is all about. It's about family. It's about relationships. Right. It's about advising with data. Right. So, you know, I, that's what I enjoy. That's my philosophy. That's how I lead teams. And, you know, I'm continually learning and improving that, but that's what's really just kind of my philosophy that I've learned along the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I'm glad you said that because It's a soft skill that, you know, you probably could, you easily could not have mentioned, but on the calls that I've been on where you're bringing together different parts of this organization who have very different personalities, like drastically different personalities. You've got your, you know, technical folks. You've got your, you know, project managers who are very detail oriented, very black and white, very logical. You've got your creative marketers who live in a little bit of chaos at all at any given moment, and it's really easy. Designers, right. Yeah, they're all very different. Yeah, it's very easy for those personalities to clash. And I think to be able to execute on the vision that you have, like part of it is having the vision and being realistic. But then to your point, like being able to execute on that, you have to be able to bring all these different personalities together, and kudos to you because it's that you do it very consistently, and it's not easy. It's not easy to do. It's fun. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. glad you think so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. Okay. So, so talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, the, the the north star for your team uh, is is very clearly. You know, what do you, as I've heard you say, like, what do you, what do you want to be with when you grow up, right? Like, mm-hmm. the why.
1: Mm-hmm. You're
0: kind of grounded in that. You're supported by the realism that you've uh, built through weathering the last, you know, few experiences that you've had. Okay, you can say decades again. <laughs> fine. I am going to hear about this for the rest of time. It's fine. I'm teasing you. <laughs> um, okay, so like, what, when when you get down into the nitty-gritty though because to your point you know you can you can build anything um, mm-hmm. and you you know you have to start with the why but when it gets down to like prioritizing sequencing matching things up with you know backing things up financially um, and really building out the details of the roadmap think mm-hmm. like, what I've realized in with startup product development is you know you have some limited resources. So that kind of narrows the vision for you externally a little bit. Um, You know, you're more focused on growth than you are really on the bottom line and revenue, which are two different things. Um, Mm -hmm. You're held to a very high standard here at uh, Vertifor. And I wouldn't say that that you're not held to a high standard at startup, but I would say there's a little bit more wiggle room as far as, you know, how development matches up to that growth, like it's a pretty tight tie here. Um, And then, two, you're dealing with a younger product that maybe you can be more nimble with versus more of a mature product, and what I've learned in working with you is, you know, you could change something, and then that has a ripple effect on 20 other things, and if you're not watching that or understanding it, you know, you're going to cause a lot of uh, pain for your own team kind of thing. very different worlds, how do you, how do you navigate all the, that complexity uh, You know, when you start to really build out the details of the vision?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think part of it, the very first part of that is change management overall. So even though like my area of responsibility and the teams that I manage on the product side are for like QQ Catalyst and AMS 360 and agency Zoom, right, to name a few. Um we're not just thinking about our products, mm-hmm. right? So the first thing that we've done is realize different customers are using different products, right? Within the Vertifor portfolio and with other products as well. So that's the first thing is changing that mindset in terms of we have to understand not just how somebody's using a piece of software technology that we are developing, but how they're using it across their business and for what purpose. Mm. So that's right. So that's ultimately when I say we're getting to the why or we're getting to the vision for a product, that vision is not myopic, right? That vision can't just be, well, you know, because most people are using more than one piece of technology in their agency, right? So, you know, understanding that is super important just as a baseline, foundationally. Then, when you get into how you're prioritizing all of these things, we're looking at so many different pieces. So, we're looking at things in terms of, you know, we work really closely with our users. We have an amazing user community with NetView. We're talking to them all the time. They have lots of ideas. We're looking at those ideas and bringing those into the roadmap and prioritizing that. We're also doing a lot of things like, wow, you know, this could really work better if the data flowed and integrated closer um, with these other solutions so that yes, we're not creating a ripple effect. If anything, we're creating a better flow of data so it's a world without duplicate entry that's like one of my visions completely you know an insure tech world without duplicate entry that is is definitely where we want to be right now we you're speaking the
0: love data. language of people listening <laughs> everyone's yeah. over I there mean, like yay
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah like, oh. uh, so that's we look at all of these things then you know a lot of stuff we have to do and we have to prioritize just because we do it's technical foundation stuff based on security and all of those types of things so when we go into planning right so we're planning really three months or even more ahead of time right three to six months ahead of time and we're looking at all of these pieces and then we are prioritizing as a team but and and paying attention to are there dependencies on what other software and and information, right? So that we kind of have that holistic picture. And so that's where I'm coming back to the change is if I'm talking to my AMS 360 team or the QQ Catalyst team, that they're not just thinking about, I'm developing this for this product, but they're understanding the bigger ecosystem Mm. of how people are utilizing that software and how we can ultimately get to an assure tech world without duplicate entry.
0: And this this is what I mean, this is one of the things I meant when I said you're a change maker, because Vertifor has been very, I think, siloed in the past where each product team is on its own island and almost doesn't talk to, you know, another product team except for once a year. You know, when you're roadmapping everything together, right. the fact right. that you're breaking down those barriers and having people talk to each other and hey, how does this work together? Just, it's got to be you know inside out so the agents can feel it. So this is exactly. yes, yes, I love this. Exactly. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to call. No,
1: no, up. no. That I mean that you're exactly right, and it's really fun uh, being in some of those meetings where. There's this almost aha moment sometimes where
0: they're like, oh,
1: that's that would be amazing if these two products could work this way, right? And then and then they start kind of going into how to solve it. So it's one thing if you solve a problem without having those conversations, then you're really not solving the problem, you're solving your problem Mm -hmm. for your particular product. Mm -hmm. But when you get more people in the conversation, now you can come up with a better way to architect and to solve Mm -hmm. that across a solution set. And now we're talking, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's the fun part. And Mm -hmm. that's definitely something that I love to do. So it doesn't matter to me, you know, um, whether it's part of the portfolio of products that I manage, mm-hmm. that doesn't matter. I have to work closely across all of our suite of products in order to, to make that change. Mm,
0: so That makes sense. Okay. So yeah. let's, let's dive into, we've talked very conceptual, very philosophical here, yeah. d- dove into the, like the inner brain of Dana Pascali. Let's bring it oh, to the surface. Scary. What tell, can you give a little um, sneak preview of what's to come this year with your products uh, and your portfolio, where, what are, you, where are the opportunities that you've seen coming into this year to improve that suite?
1: Yeah. Well, um, first off, I would say we are looking really heavily at how to get people better access to their data. Mm -hmm. Right, So, where you want your data? What kind of data do you want? Do you want Mm -mm. the data coming out of the system? Mm -hmm. Would you like that enhanced and normalized, right? And so, and how would you like that delivered, right? So would you like that delivered to you via an API? Would you like that via an S3 bucket, right? Like there's different ways that we can deliver data um, to folks. And with that, right, simultaneously, I am lucky enough to have the data science team, so there's also some amazing things that they're doing kind of to be able to put together insights like, you know, I kind of. An amazing new cross sell, right model that they have created models like growth insights, which is really kind of this culmination of um, cross sell and benchmarking. So you can actually go and understand for what particular lines of business in a particular area you have the most opportunity. How are you doing and how can you be better, right? Mm-hmm. So just very, very focused um, access to different types of data so that we can, make, we can help our customers make better decisions for their business and grow faster. So I am very, very excited about that because this is, uh, again, Super nerdy, all about data, right? Um, and so, I mean, we see that with our customers too, right? Uh, you have to be able to see your business and see what you're doing and see where your opportunities are. Uh, and I think that that's just an incredible opportunity for the industry.
0: Yes, right. Very much so. Very much so. I mean, it's you're talking about people who, you know, will just grind it out. I mean, my dad, he's like. He'd get up at you know six a.m. every day. He has his oatmeal with raisins. He goes to work. He comes home, eats dinner with the family. Gets up, does it all over again five days a week. Right? Like yeah. they just grind it out. But being able to have that data gives him the ability to look towards the future. And it's right. not something that was easily accessible to get to. Not not that you didn't have access to it before, but you know you got to pull 10 reports and then you got to yeah. put them in Excel and there's pivot tables my dad's not going to do that right like he's there's no way so for for them to have access to the data like yes yes
1: this is yeah.
0: yes this i is call that idea.
1: spreadsheet olympics spreadsheet olympics. That's That's what I call right? And I do like me (laughs) a good pivot table. Trust me, I'm a big fan. But, you know, yeah, like how can you get the information you need the way that you want it without having to do tons and tons of manipulation? So that's super exciting. You know, I think um, our bringing agency zoom into the portfolio has been super super exciting mm-hmm. and i think why that's been exciting is we have been heavily focused on integrating solutions with agency zoom across our portfolio to really help the world of an insurtech world without duplicate entry. So the data flows with you. So you can be working in your system. You're not dropping leads on the floor with agency Zoom. You can automate all of your pipelines, automate your communications and onboarding with your customers. Oh, and you need to get a quote? Great. Right within there, you can go and get a quote. Lots of integration bi-directionally with both QQ Catalyst and AMS 360 mm-hmm. so that all of that information is kind of flowing back and forth, you know, it's, it's an it's been really, really amazing re- in the past year. So I got to be the integration leader for AMS or for agency Zoom, which was fantastic. Um, but seeing everything that we've done just to integrate, you know, Personal Lines Raider into agency Zoom um, and we're continuing to improve that as well is really exciting. So I would say in a nutshell, it's making sure the data is flowing with you and that you're working where you want to work and you can access the tools and the applications that you need and still maintain your system of record, your contacts, your policies, all of that information in your management system, right? You can still bring in all those information from downloads and whatnot, and and all of your accounting can be kept in your management systems, but we're bringing in the other tools that different parts of the organization are, are using now with producers with agency Zoom has been and will continue to be a huge highlight.
0: Mm. Mm. That's amazing. Um, What about the user experience? Uh, I know there's been some work done too you know, mo- modernize that that UX and the, the different tools. I know AMS 360 just had some styling changes. Right. Is yep. there more to come on that or? Absolutely.
1: So I am so lucky, Vertifor is so lucky to have a leader in Kelly Byram, who is our VP of design. And so her team of people is intimately, when I said this is a team sport and I mentioned design, design is a part of that, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to make sure what we're building, by the way, this makes me laugh without having a design team who do you think designs how software works
0: without having a design team who designs how software works probably mm-hmm. the product owner
1: it's usually development
0: oh gosh okay that's right? a little that's a little scary it is it's a right? little scary I mean-
1: Yeah, I mean, because you know, there's a there's a big difference between skill sets. And so design is a very different skill set than a software developer, Mm -hmm. right? A software developer, again, we said knows how to do it. They know how to kind of create the code to get the function of that requirement to work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they're doing it in a way that is best for people. Right. I mean, you know, they think about people that have um, are colorblind or how they best how we best um, process information. Right. An engineer is not is not doing that, that they're not trained to do that. Right. So having design and having design be a part of this is definitely part of our entire portfolio. And so we're working to make sure that design is an integral part of what we do. So yes, we're continuing to look at styling, to get that consistency, to make it easier to navigate prof- cross products and kind of it have be one overall experience. Now, the intent of all of this is to help you drive efficiency mm-hmm. because Kelly and her team understand, like I, I learned things like where things are left justified. People understand left justified, right? Center justified is, is more difficult for us to process and when we look at information, right? So they understand these things and they run all these types of tests. So we're making it accessible to everybody. Mm -hmm. And so that is a huge part of the portfolio on how we're kind of moving together with an integral experience, if you will, across our portfolio.
0: It kind of reminds me of an article I read, this was a while ago about Apple's uh, UX. Mm-hmm. and how the notifications so you know how you see an app on the home screen and there's a mm-hmm. little bubble that says you know you have 47 unread messages or like me you have 2597 right. unread messages yeah, um, you might have more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um it's listen it's not the notification olympics man <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so the, that that color and the placement is like it, it's very intentional because it drives mm-hmm. anxiety This is a terrible example. Obviously, we don't want to do this in our tools, but <laughs> yes, it drives exactly. anxiety. And when you see it, because you feel that anxiety, you then click on it and use the, the phone or the app. And so you, so then they get their you know, daily usage rate uh, mm-hmm. act or daily active user rate up. So, but it all came back to two things, the color, literally the color. So for all those people who make fun of, oh, marketing just does color. Well, here you go. Yeah. millions of dollars in the color and the placement of mm-hmm. those two things. So yep. yeah, that's very interesting. Um, okay. Yes. It's fascinating. Yeah. So. All right. Well, let me, let me wrap up here with the last question on yeah. events. Cause you were at okay. one city world tour, which I just want to call out for those people who, um, you know, couldn't attend. It was an amazing event with, uh, Bradley flowers and Scott Howell. They run the, uh, uh, the insurance guys podcast and are just two of the best humans. Um, You know, they put on a, this is their second year, uh, an event in Austin, Texas, where they had agencies, teaching agencies how to be better. And we were able to go and have, uh, we were actually the main sponsor there. Um, It had a pretty big presence. Um, You were there, Lonnie was there, which I just, I can't tell you how much that means to me as a person, because it, it just shows that we're not, Sitting in rooms thinking that we're better than everyone else, which I think right. sometimes at big companies you you just have this, you know, if you're looking from the outside in, you feel like oh they're just sitting in their white ivory tower and, right. you know, not paying attention to us. No, we are on the you know, we're at events talking to agencies. Um, what was that like for you to to be there, and and talk to people?
1: Honestly, I have been to hundreds of events like all over the world, right? Um, it was such an incredible event for me. I have never been to an event where people actually were just honestly trying to help each other. There was no like, oh, look, mine's better than yours type of thing. It was you know, or my agency's doing better than yours. It was literally this genuine hey, how can I help you, right? Mm-hmm. How can we help each other? How can we share information to get better as an industry? And it really, for me, like I came back and I told my team, I'm like, I've never been to anything like this before. I've never seen anything like this before. And it really just made me love the independent insurance agency market even more because yeah. it is about family, mm-hmm. right? Like they, talk, they are like a family, like Bradley mm-hmm. and Scott have kind of created a family and are now sharing what they've learned and what you know their family, I'm saying family, but it really kind of is, has learned um, and how they're trying to really move the whole industry forward. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm coming back again next year, guys. I hope yes. you, you know, don't think like I'm not. Uh, but it was a—it was, was really, really just uh, very different from anything that I have, have been to in my entire career.
0: So. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully you can find some time to make it to some other events this year. I know you're going to have a lot on your plate with the you know roadmap we just talked through. Um, yeah. But for those of you guys who are going to events this year, you know be sure to look out for Vertifor and if you can catch Dana and have a conversation with her, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. All right, Dana, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we really appreciate you know having you here. Personally, you know, take my Vertifor hat off, just Sid Rowe. I'm really excited for, you know, the vision that you have for the midsize market, for all of the, the products under your portfolio and where you're taking Vertifor and how you're leading the insure tech conversation. So let's go crush it. I love it.
1: Thanks, Sid. It's been great. Appreciate right. it. Appreciate right. you.
0: All right, right back at you. Guys, uh, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't yet. We're also streaming all of our podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. So if you haven't subscribed on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever your cup of tea is, go hit the button. Um, With that, we've got some really exciting episodes coming up around a debate between CRM and AMS why we chose to partner with Amazon and all kinds of other things. So stay tuned.